Hello and welcome back to the Economic Review. So to start off today, we have impressive economic performance from Republican-led states. One thing that many economic observers might immediately notice when looking at the nation's unemployment numbers by state is that many of the conservative states are leading the nation in this category. Unemployment rates in liberal cities have been higher due to expanded unemployment benefits and stricter lockdowns in those specific jurisdictions. On the other side of the spectrum, Republican governors have opposed expanded unemployment benefits, and several states have even reduced or canceled the policy prematurely. States like Idaho, South Dakota, and Utah all have impressive unemployment rates beneath 3%. The national average for the unemployment rate is closer to 5.5%, according to the most recent numbers published by the Labor Department for the month of July. The unemployment category isn't the only portion of the economy where Republican-leaning states are outperforming the national average. This holds true of jobs numbers as well, with more than 92% of Republican-leaning states having shown significant boost and the amount of jobs established in the last 60 days. Many factors of the economic recovery have been based around the expanded unemployment benefits program that was originally signed into law by former President Donald Trump in March 2020 with the CARES Act. This program was extended multiple times throughout the coronavirus pandemic and is finally set to expire in the first week of September. This means that independent contractors, self-employed individuals, and other 1099 MISC workers will no longer be eligible to receive benefits through the PUA program. The economic recovery could run out of momentum as these benefits expire. Many employers have expressed their opposition towards the expanded unemployment benefits because there would be a labor shortage as unemployed individuals believe they could actually be making more money through their unemployment program than if they returned to work. Several of the Republican-leaning states have attempted to restrict the expanded unemployment benefits because of significant worker shortages in their respective regions. Unemployed individuals will likely be forced to head back to work during the final quarter of the year, and many states that are currently lacking in the jobs numbers category will likely return closer to the national unemployment average as millions of people return to look for work. There's currently no sign that President Biden will extend the expanded unemployment benefits program. The Delta variant of the coronavirus is starting to have some additional effects on the economy as new restrictions and lockdowns are considered across the nation. But for now, it seems as if the expanded unemployment program will expire as intended on September 5th. Once the U.S. economic recovery runs out of momentum from the initial stimulus packages and unemployment benefits, Biden's administration will have to work with Congress to try and figure out a way to prevent major loss in economic progress since the coronavirus pandemic originally started back in March of 2020. Additionally, we've also seen the gig economy continue to grow in spite of overall economic trouble. We've seen plenty of downturn in the economy over the last year. Good news was that a premium with historic job losses and unemployment claims. Traditional jobs, office jobs, labor jobs, everyone suffered with inconsistency and uncertainty, as it seemed like the normal lives they were used to would never come back. And when they needed some time off or a way to de-stress, they opened an app and turned to the gig economy. 
In 2020, despite the worldwide economic downturn for most people, freelancers in the U.S. made about $1.21 trillion. It makes sense. People were asked to stay home where their computers are and where their smartphones had easy Wi-Fi access. Many job sites failed to properly supply their employees for remote work and struggled with sudden changes in the environment and software demands. And restaurants suffered the most. The ones that persisted were the ones who adapted fastest as new regulations swept through. Everyone knows about the gig economy. It's the borderline between self-employed and temp agency work. People can be employed with as little as their phone to do tasks, earn money, and add to a growing industry of jobs with more variety than the mainstream offers. A gig worker can do whatever they want as long as it's in their wanted area or online. The gig economy helped keep smaller businesses alive with delivery services like Grubhub and Uber Eats, which allowed people to remain socially distant and properly quarantined during the height of the pandemic. Contact was minimal and quick, which allowed businesses to stay open and weather the initial storm. A thing that they couldn't do on their own, and certainly not with such constrained budgets. Now, more than a year out from the initial wave, the U.S. continues to see sweeping reforms and regulations that threaten smaller businesses. But those businesses can be bolstered by a network of steady gig employees. College towns especially can thrive, as pointed out by Sol Schlagman, co-founder of the gig employment app Stint. It's the student that needs to have the money to pay their rent, he said. But it's also the student that wants to buy a pair of shoes that they wouldn't necessarily buy otherwise. The gig economy has also offered more peace of mind than traditional job openings. It lets people set their own hours and organize independently of strict bosses or office environments. People can work as much as they need to, not as much as others want them to. The rising demand for gig-based services has led to about 36% of the U.S. workforce engaged in the gig economy through primary or secondary jobs. A second job is easier to manage when the hours and the work are up to the employee and the employee only. As traditional methods for markets and industries return failing results, gig economies and micro-business models can continue to show success on the roller coaster of a mid-pandemic economy. Moving on, whilst it seems that the U.S. is on a slow path to economic recovery, this was solidified in a meeting conducted by the Federal Reserve Board of Analysts and economic experts who have tracked these big and small numbers for months. Seeing these small increases is enough for them to move forward in fixing one of the problems that's keeping things from progressing the low interest rates, and loan outs to banks. This decision was supported by that 1.1% increase in income that was seen in July, which was coupled by a 0.3% spending increase between June and July. Less than 1%, and yet it instilled enough confidence for the experts to begin the long process of pulling back the much-needed federal support programs. When people talk about the macroeconomy, figures tend to be in the billions of trillions of dollars. To discuss the gross total of cash flowing 
or at risk of stopping. On the other side are the incremental increases, the small leads and losses to major stock or economic sectors that don't sound like much until you pair them up with the bigger numbers from before. Many people may scoff at insisting that a 1.1% raise in their income would have a positive effect. Most of those incomes wouldn't have much use for a 1.1% raise. Some might appreciate it as a holiday gift. But when factored into the trillions, 1.1% is far more than it appears at first glance. One of the most important numbers that gets tracked when to, to make these decisions is the inflation rate. As the rate increases, the value of the dollar decreases, but by such small amounts that most people won't even notice. When was the last time you noticed that the prices for goods at the grocery store or at your local restaurants noticeably went up? You may have to think back hard. End result consumers rarely get the immediate impact of such changes. It's the wholesalers, the retailers, and the corporations who handle the goods at their market prices that get impacted the most. The increased costs then have to be made up somewhere else, like in employee salaries and benefits. Thankfully, the 1.1% is above what was expected, meaning that the U.S. has been on track for a surprisingly fast recovery, or it was back in July when the Delta variant was not as much of a present threat. The U.S. economy and the rest of the world's economies, too, are on an uptick because the restrictions and lockdowns were slowly being lifted and trade and employment could steadily resume. We've all got a year of good habits, best practices, and vaccinations to fall back on. So total emergency like before is like unlikely to unfold, even with a new um, variant of the coronavirus entering the scene. The Federal Reserve experts are making preparations to start easing off on the interest rates to help control inflation, which will hopefully go down by 0.01%, which seems small, but remember, it means a lot with that much money at risk. Thank you so much for listening to the Economic Review. We'll be back soon with the latest.